but also some of us willfully push the memories down because they hurt and they represent things that are not good. But often, late at night, when you're alone, these memories come back and they accuse you and they play on your conscience. And in those times when you're alone, these things that only you know about yourself come back and they accuse you. And all of a sudden, the prison cage is back. These chains are back and you feel totally captured. You feel imprisoned. And you may have come this morning with something on your heart. You may have come this morning with hurt that has been there either recently, in the last few days, or hurt that has been there for years. Hurt that does not want to go away. It might be unresolved conflict between a, a child and a parent. It might be the type of conflict where you just cannot get over it. It is hurt that sits there that just doesn't want to let you go. It might be unconfessed or unrepentant sin that you are struggling to get on top of. The sin seems to be your master. Or it might be that you are here for the first time this morning and you are here searching. You're looking for answers. You know that there's a bigger truth in this world, but you haven't found it yet. But you know that there's something out there. I mean, look at the world around us today. There are so many uncertainties. If there's one thing that we are looking for, it is certainty. In a time where everything seems to be unclear. In the last six months, the earth has been thrown in a tumble dryer. Everything has been shaken. And anxiety has all of a sudden peaked. The number of people with depression has all of a sudden peaked. Within six months, the nature of what is in our human heart has just been exposed. And the question is, will we ever be free? If you are sitting with that question this morning, we are going to look at it together. Can I ever be free? So let's start by looking at Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountain, a large crowd followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anybody, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So first up, we need to notice here what's happening in Matthew. A large crowd is following Jesus. So remember Matthew chapter 6, 5, 6 and 7 is the, the longest continuous teaching we have of Jesus. The teaching on the mountain, the Beatitudes. 
So now Jesus' teaching has translated into followers. People see the truth and they are now following Jesus. A large crowd is following Jesus. But this man that we learn of could not have been part of that teaching because Matthew tells us that he's leprous. So we don't know how he knew the truth. But he was compelled by the Holy Spirit and he was there in the crowd that day. But we often might feel the same as this man in the crowd. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a sick man making his way through a big crowd. And you could be feeling the same. You're a single voice on a planet with over 7 billion people. How can the Lord ever hear me? And over and above the seven, people, seven billion people he's looking after, he's also looking after creation. All the animals, the cats and the dogs. And what about all the stars and the orbits? And what's happening in places in the universe we haven't even seen? So we can very easily feel, Lord, how would you hear my voice? How can I know that you hear my voice? So we are more similar to this man in Matthew than what we realize. We also feel that we are lost in the crowd. And our, our question is, will we ever be free? And for this man, it was exactly the same. We can, imagine, can imagine that his leprosy started years ago was just a small spot on his skin. And over years, it's developed to overtake his whole body. And it's progressively grown to capture him. To the, to the point that he's completely exiled. And you know that sin, in a similar way, is just like that. It starts with a small spot. And over time, it progresses and it takes you captive. For the men and the women, pornography, it starts with looking at one image and you don't realize that that one image makes such an imprint on your soul that it grows and it takes you captive and it becomes an addiction. Indulging in gossip, it may start innocently by having a willing tongue that just wants to tell that one interesting story. But before you know it, it's grown to be itchy ears and a hurtful tongue. Alcohol, drugs, start innocently by you consuming one drink or one pill. And over time, it turns the tide on you and it consumes you. And it's like leprosy. It starts with a small spot on the skin, but in time it spreads. And so we, we get captured by this and we get imprisoned. And I hope I'm taking you on this journey where you are starting in your soul saying, Lord, how am I going to be free of this? When we are truthful about ourselves and our, our life and what we've done, 
This morning it's you standing before God. Lord, can I ever be free? And let's just take a moment to talk about leprosy and understand the, the disease of leprosy. So in Old Testament times, leprosy had a great stigma. And we, we often don't appreciate that today. Leprosy is, is defined as a defiling skin disease. And we know today that the, the, the symptoms take as long as 20 or 25 years to work out fully in the patient. So like I said, the symptoms start with a small spot on the skin that can easily be covered. And for years you could still operate and nobody would know. But progressively this disease grows until it's at a point that it's undeniable. The disease also just does not just attack the skin, it attacks the members, it attacks the limbs. It has the effect that it twists the limbs, the curling of your, your fingers and your toes, thickening of facial features, ears, and the falling away of your flesh. So in its full extent, the patient with leprosy would not be recognizable. The face completely changes. And when you look at somebody with leprosy, they don't look even as the same person before the disease. And lepers were treated as outcasts in the Old Testament. They had to put a veil over the, their face and they had to live outside the, the city. And we are like that in a, in a similar way. We put on our happy face, we put on our facade, but inside, we're hurting. Inside, our soul is captured. In Old Testament times, they had to ring a bell and shout, unclean, unclean, whenever somebody approached them, to warn that person that I'm sick. And although we might not be ringing bells or shouting unclean, unclean, but a lot of us walk through every day feeling unclean. And we think to ourselves, if they only knew what I've done, they will reject me. I'm so ashamed of what I've done. I can't even, I don't even have the courage to tell anybody what I've done. But we put on this facade. So can you see how desperately we need freedom? We are all captured. Matthew, this man in Matthew, must have felt exactly the same. And his cry on that day is, will I ever be cleansed of this disease? Imagine the mind of the person suffering with leprosy for 25 years. The desperateness of that person. To live in exile for so many years, to be treated as unclean, people fleeing from you. Imagine the, the desperate heart with which this man approached Jesus in that crowd. 
but we read that on this day, he must have not declared his uncleanness because we find that he's in the crowd. So his desperateness overruled him letting everybody know. And we read that suddenly, in the middle of the crowd, he was in front of the Son of God. And he kneeled and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. And Jesus immediately said to him, I am willing, and he cleansed him. Notice that he didn't say to the Lord, Lord, I know you're able. That wasn't even a question. He knew who he was kneeling before. And he just said, Lord, if you're willing. I know you can, if you're willing. Why did he ask, if you're willing? Because he believed that he was not worthy of saving. His disease over the years have convinced him that he's not worthy. And that's why he kneeled and he said, Lord, if you are willing, please cleanse me. Paul writes about a similar situation in Romans 7, a situation that afflicts our soul. He writes in Romans 7 verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to, to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So have any of you experienced this? That in your mind you know what the right thing is to do, but once it gets to the body and the actions and the actual doing of things, it doesn't translate that way. We struggle to do good. We know what is right, but we do wrong. We know what is right to do, but we are lazy. And the opposite is true as well. We, do, we know what is not right, but that comes so easy. We know what is wrong, but that is so easy to do. It takes nearly no effort for us to be on that path. And so we see back in Matthew 8 that Jesus reached out immediately and he touched the span. And he was healed. We see here in Matthew 8 a man that knew who he was. He was tired of being sick. He was desperate for cleansing. And we see sometimes that Christians or people don't find Jesus because we are not desperate enough. We don't know who we are. We don't admit our nature. We don't want to be honest with ourselves about the nature of our souls. And so we're not desperate for Jesus. And so we are one of the people in the crowd, but we are not the one kneeling before the Son of God. Because we are not desperate enough. We rely on things in this world. We rely on our own ability. We rely on our intellect. 
We rely on our husband, we rely on our wife, we rely on our mother, our father, our pastor. We are not desperate enough. But in Matthew 8 verse 4, we also see a reference here to Moses. And that must ask, that's a weird thing to be hearing from Moses. Why is Jesus commanding him to present himself to the priest and give the gift that Moses commanded? And so let's look at this. This reference comes from Leviticus, and that's why we read Leviticus 14 this morning. And it's helpful to remember that Matthew's audience was Jews. And so they, they would know exactly what this reference meant because they were painfully aware of all the ceremonial law that was given to the Jews. So please briefly look with me at Leviticus 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper. And so remember, in the Old Testament times, there, there was no cure for leprosy. Today, we don't even think about that. Because we believe we can cure everything with modern medicine. But there was no cure. And the people that were cured, it was believed that it was only the hand of God that could heal them from a disease that had no cure. And so that's why they had to go to the priest, for the priest to say, yes, you are cured. You are cleansed. Verse 4, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop, and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And as for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedarwood, the scarlet, and the hyssop, those four elements, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water, and he shall sprinkle it over him seven times, who is to be cleansed from his leprosy, and he shall pronounce him clean, and he shall let the living bird loose in the open field. So this was a ceremony that they did to allow this leprous man that is clean to enter into society again. But what I want to do this morning is draw your attention on these elements that is present here in this ceremony. Did you notice the, the, the living water or the running water and the blood? Did you notice the wood, the cedar wood had to be present? Did you notice the scarlet yarn and the hyssop? And so what's the significance of this ritual? And I want you to notice that how this connection with the New Testament and how it associates with the elements that we see in the death of Jesus. In verse 5, Moses says that one of the birds was to be killed over an earthen vessel or a clay pot over running or living water. John 19.34 says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side 
with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. The blood and water from Jesus' side echoes this blood and water that was used to declare the cleansing of a leper. In verse 6, Moses says, The living bird shall be taken with cedar wood and scarlet. John 19 verse 18 says, Where they nailed him to a wooden cross. Matthew 27 verse 28 says, And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Do you see that the wood from Jesus' cross echoes the cedar wood for the cleansing of a leper? The scarlet robe put on Jesus echoes the scarlet yarn used in the ceremony of cleansing of a leper. So we have the living water from Jesus' side. We have the cedar wood, which is the cross. We have the scarlet yarn, which is the robe that was put on Jesus. And now the hyssop. John 19.29 says, Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. And they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. This hyssop that was put to Jesus' mouth echoes the hyssop used in the ceremony to declare cleansing. Isn't it amazing? Can you see how this ritual in Leviticus points to Jesus? Can you see how Jesus in his sacrifice has completely fulfilled the ritual requirement of cleansing of an uncurable disease. And we need to be cautious here. We cannot take any bit of symbolism out of the Old Testament and apply it to the New Testament. We have to make sure that we are always reading out of God's Word that the word is speaking to us and that we are not applying our thoughts and applying it into God's word and reading things that are not there. So we, we always have to take the lead of the apostles and what they teach us in the New Testament. In this case, I'm convinced that the New Testament shows us that the running water, the wood, the scarlet, the hyssop, all clearly points to Jesus' sacrifice and the meaning of his sacrifice. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. But this is not the climax yet. So please listen now. Here is where it becomes amazing. And he shall sprinkle the blood seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy and pronounce him clean and he shall let the bird loose in the open field. In other words, the one to be cleansed is represented by the bird. The one is to be sacrificed is represented by the one bird. The bird who is sacrificed takes his blood with the water and the wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and is sprinkled on the innocent bird. And this bird is freed, free to fly into the open field. This bird is no longer caged. This bird is no longer confined or restricted. This bird is free, free as a bird. 
I'm sure that's where the saying comes, <laughs> comes from. And our question today is, can we ever be free? And here the Lord shows us that yes, it's the, the elements of His sacrifice, but it's the consequence of what He's done. We know that He died for us, but do we realize what that means? We are that bird that is set free to fly into the open field to where God has designed a bird to be. Birds, God did not create birds to be in a cage. So can we ever be free in this life? Do you agree that it's a resounding yes? Yes, we can be free. The death of Jesus truly sets us free. John says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So praise be to God. In this moment, may you all say with me, hallelujah. Praise be to our Lord and God. The gates of prison that have been holding you captive is broken. The gates that have been keeping you in your cage is opened. The old voices that have been accusing you have to stay silent. You are set free. You are set free like a bird by the blood of the Lamb to go and become what God has created you to be. The pinnacle of creation created for the glory of God to live for the glory of God and God alone. The beauty of this is that Jesus is saying to each and every one of you today, I am willing. If you are desperate, I am willing to reach out and touch you. Even though you think you have done sins that preclude you, that you are not worthy, Jesus is saying, I am willing. When you are touched by the blood of the Lamb, you are set free to be in the open field and to become free, spiritually free. The Lord has touched my life in this way. The blood of Christ has touched me. And He's opened the cages of sin that has kept me captive. And I will not stand back and be ashamed of the name of the Lord. He has touched my life. I am that bird flying with his blood on my wings. I'm flying free from the captivity that he's freed me from. And I know that the devil has no right on you. I know that Satan has no right to you. He convinces you that he does, but he has no right. And whatever's been standing against you will fall away. In Christ our Lord, by the blood of the Lamb, when you are cleansed by Jesus, when you are touched by Him, the sins and the strongholds fall away. It is only His touch that can break these chains. It is only His touch that can free us. Free with no boundaries. No cages, no chains. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. 
We cannot deny that these elements from Leviticus 14 teaches us the fulfillment of what Jesus has done. It is amazing to see how the elements of his sacrifice fulfills the ceremonial law. And that is great to understand. But it's completely lost if you do not understand the consequence in your own life, the application to you. That means that the, the chains are broken. The chains are broken. Two birds are sacrificed over living water and with the blood and the wood and the scarlet and the hyssop it's sprinkled on the bird and the bird is freed. And I hope that you can see this morning that you and I are that bird. That bird set free. You are that bird. Free from captivity with no more boundaries. And as I go into closing, I want to ask our musicians to come up and just prepare for a final song. But in closing, we see that Jesus has given the cleansed man an instruction. And he's, he said to him, present yourself to the priest. And we may wonder, why is this? This was not a condition of his healing. So Jesus has healed him unconditionally. And so Jesus then instructs him, go present yourself to the priest and let them ex examine you and pay the price that Moses commanded. Why does he do this? And let's just imagine this conversation that would be happening with this cleansed man and the priest. He would present himself to the priest and said, I'm so and so. A man called Jesus touched me in the crowd and I'm cleansed of my leprosy. Please inspect me. The priest would then go, okay, they inspect him and they stand back and they say, how is this possible? It's only the hand of God that can heal leprosy. And so do you see this strong testimony to the priests? The hand of Jesus is the hand of God. The very same hands that formed us from the dust of the ground. The very same hands that created us. Is the hand that touches us. And heals us. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus is clearly saying this morning. Push through the crowd. Make your way through the crowd. Be desperate. Understand your condition. And kneel before God. Come and kneel before Jesus and he's willing to touch you. He's willing to change your life. He's willing to break your chains of captivity. And by the power and grace of the Almighty God, you will be cleansed. Jesus is loudly and triumphantly saying to us this morning, Yes, you can be free. Come, I am willing. Amen. Thank you. Please stand.